What's up, everybody? My name is Albert Chow. I'm joined today by my co-host, as always. She's actually the leader, the <laughs> boss of the company, Stephanie Postles. Hey, do people people still pr- mispronounce your name? Oh, you get Postles. Yeah. You get, you I get mean, a lot of different you ones. You mispronounced it for, I feel like, up until last week. So it took a while. No, <laughs> I knew your name. I just did that on purpose. Oh, well, okay. Well, I actually, I that's why I wanted you to lead the episode off today. I was like, will he get it right? We'll see. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I got it right. I got it right. All right. Well, listen, yesterday we were talking about creativity and we got some users send us some questions and stuff because in yesterday's episode, we talked about how the brain, it slows down its ability to be creative. Per the study. Per the study, right? And then it's like, we're less likely to do adult neurogenesis. Uh, You guys can look that up, but creating, (laughs) creating these, I don't know, brain cells that have creativity. And I personally don't consider myself a creative person, although I'm in my 40s. You are still young. You're in your 30s. Oh, so young. And <laughs> let's talk a little about building that. Like, yeah. Because I think that when one of the fun things about working with you is you do often have new ideas, interesting ideas, sometimes a little bit you know, in left field. We don't implement them. <laughs> sometimes we do implement some of the yeah. things. And so you are active, you're very active, and I would say keeping that level of creative energy up. Whereas I'm not as active in trying to do that. Let's talk a little bit about it. Like, how do you go about building your creative energy as an adult who has kids, a job, responsibilities, you know, all the excuses that a lot of adults have? Yeah, yes. I mean, so when thinking about this, like being creative thing, because yeah, the test said, okay, only 2% of adults are actually geniuses. And if you know, we're like, what the heck? I'm a genius. Albert's a genius. Uh Oh, like, I guess everyone else just isn't. (laughs) But it was a little like, man, that's a bummer. Like, how do you actually get creative in your adult life? And that's when you and I started looking into it of like, wait, we're already doing this in different ways. And so, yeah, when I think about like the business stuff, you and I are very different. Like you said, I'm often looking at all the new things that are happening in the world. I'm getting involved in, you know, blockchain and investing and bringing chat GPT to you and like just bringing ideas that are definitely not in our industry and definitely not in the media landscape into our business and seeing like, is this helpful to us? And spotting trends and patterns and being like, I think we could implement things in a different way. Um, But to me, the biggest thing, that is actually how I stay creative is like looking at other industries um, because to me, oftentimes solutions are already all around you. It's just not in your industry. Like you don't want to look in your industry to solve a problem. A lot of times you can look at the airline industry and be like, oh, that's how they handle customer service or whatever that one issue was and bring it back into our own company. And so that's how I think I'm always pushing myself to play in this creative space and have, you know, lean into that adult neurogenesis of like building new brain cells and like getting myself new habits and lifestyle changes and learning in a different way. Because when I bring it back to you, you're this helpful filter for me. And I think everyone who has a company needs that in their life, like a helpful filter who grounds me and is like, okay, Steph, you just brought uh, like 50 new technologies to me. Like, let's look through these and maybe 80% of them table them for now. And this one's kind of interesting. And then you're my implementer. Like you actually, if it's a good idea and we both agree, or actually sometimes, even if you don't agree with me, like if we agree, that's the decision we're moving forward with. You're yeah. really great at thinking creatively of how to do the thing, which I'm not always the best at. I'm just like, here you go. Here's my brilliance. I want it done this way. And you are a really great implementer. So you are creative in that way. I tend to definitely, let's say 
first movers. I'm not a first mover. When I think of and see hear ideas in general, I it sounds crazy. Well, maybe it's not crazy. I think most people actually like me. It's like it's not that I don't get fired up or excited. It's it's very hard for me to like foresee any type of practical application or something like that. But I will say I definitely, you know, I'm more of a follower. I, I will follow the crowd. So if I start mm-hmm. seeing something get implemented, I tend to gravitate towards something quickly. Myself personally, I'm all, like I said, like I've been on this never ending quest to work less. And in that never ending quest, I end up working a ton because I'm always trying to figure out. Because here way I am. Hi. Less. Hello, Albert. Yeah. Come on well, over back. Don't I'm going to do it myself too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learning about real estate, learning about uh, movie production, learning mm-hmm. about these different things. Because I think to myself, oh, if I got good at this, then I could just, you know, be a deal maker. Because that's, that would be good, right? You make deals and you just, that, that would just be a part of your life. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what I've personally been doing. And so for myself, I kind of like I th- where I think I have, I wouldn't call it creative, but I'm, I'm very observational in regards to, hey, how did they do that? Did it work? What were some of the roadblocks? What can I learn from it? And so when I think of that creativity, I mean, I think sometimes people probably over lean towards the arts. Uh, so they think, oh, creative meaning, can you draw? Can you do music? Can you create something that doesn't exist? Maybe you don't have to create something that doesn't exist. Maybe you have to just figure out, like you said, a way to bring it into your world in a way that's going to be useful to you. Mm -hmm. So I do think of myself in that way. To spark that, I don't know that I consciously spark that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm, because I'm I'm hearing out there. What I'm guessing is there are people maybe listening to this podcast thinking to themselves, hey, I'd like to increase my creativity. I'd like Mm -hmm. to increase my ability to think of new ideas, new solutions. And they might be looking for ways to try and spark, spark that creativity. I personally know I don't go seeking that, but I believe you do. What Mm -hmm. do you do to go say, Hey, I need to spark um, some creativity or try to put some this like mental muscle to use? Yeah. I mean, other than I like to put myself outside of my comfort zone So there are a lot of areas I feel like I understand pretty well. And I think growing up and through school and whatever, it was kind of beaten in me at least to like stay focused on what you're good at. You're getting a finance degree. You're really good at finance. Just stay there and like become the best at your craft. And then I started realizing how quickly I would get bored. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me. Like I think that could work really well for someone just to like lean into their passion and like go big into that. It just didn't work well for me. And so instead I started pushing myself outside my comfort zone into other areas I just didn't understand. And I just would go like 2% deep into something. So back in 2011, when blockchain was coming out and I was working at Fannie Mae and I hear about it and I just see a lot of hype, kind of like underground hype happening, but somehow I stumbled on it just by searching around. I was like, this just seems interesting. And I just want to understand it a little bit. And I want to buy some Bitcoin and just like actually put myself into that world and put some skin in the game, either with money, so then I feel like I have to learn about it. But it's getting that like 2% depth of knowledge. Like I don't go so far deep in there where it's like now I'm a blockchain expert. But at the time I was like, I wanna at least be able to talk about it and maybe see where applications can be applied, which at the time I was trying to apply it to like the mortgage process and like putting documents on the blockchain. That was where it came from. So it's still kind of starting with where I'm at, um, but then also looking around of like, what things can I just become a little bit knowledgeable about so then when it advances to a better place, I at least know what the underlying piece is even talking about. And I at least know what a blockchain is. 
And so I think I just like to look for what are some early hype cycles that I kind of see happening. And that's through me following people on Twitter, maybe finding cool sub stacks now at the time it was like medium publications, but just finding like lesser known people who are talking about cool things and following them and then being like, okay, let me go check out what Web3 is all about. Okay, how could that impact media, the industry you were in, in five to 10 years? Okay, and it's more just, yeah, going down these different like rabbit holes and just exploring a little bit, but not so much where it takes me off path of like being a good CEO at Mission and being able to like do what we need to do here, if that makes sense. So I'm a, I'm a, what, jack of all trades. That's what it is. I'm master of- Master of none. Not much. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess it's start. I mean, that's just you reading a lot though, right? Yeah, it is reading a lot. Yep. Yeah. Or just being curious enough to read more into something. So some people might see something talking about, you know, I don't know, the supply chain issues that were happening. I might see that headline and be like, okay, I at least want to kind of understand why that was happening. I don't need to know all the details, but I at least need to know that like the ships are sitting off the shore of California because they can't get into the port. Like I at least want to know a little bit of what's happening so I can speak about it but I don't need to get into the weeds of it. I just want to kind of know like, well, why is there even an issue? And not just something from like Forbes where it has like a headline. I'm like, "Mm, I'm well-informed. Like I want a little bit of depth to understand like, would this happen again? And why is this such a big issue? So that's kind of how I explore things. So listening to you makes me think about how like basically good hobbies to have. Mm -hmm. And for, for me, it was investing. My dad taught me about investing in stocks when mm-hmm. I was really young. Yep. Um, let's say like 12, 13 years old. I remember we had a school project where we got to buy a, you know, a fictitious portfolio. Mm-hmm. Yes, I went to school at a time of newspapers. The stock the stock tickers would be printed out and you could see basically yesterday's trade price. There was mm-hmm. no live data online, anything yep. like that. Middle, when I was in middle school, the internet didn't wasn't well established yet. Like there was like one kid in the neighborhood who had AOL, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> to kind of set, set everyone's understanding of how I grew up, but that interest in stocks. And like I said, that never ending pursuit to not work that hard got me started. That really was what sparked me. Like, why do I read so many business articles and, mm-hmm. and like, I'm like self-diagnosing myself, just talking to you, but why do I tend to read things only after they've proven to work? Because then only then can I actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing, um, when I say do something about it, I mean like investing in the company yep. so saying like, Hey, I think this was going to work. The um, interesting thing about you, what you were just saying about like blockchain and Bitcoin and stuff like that. I remember first reading and learning about Bitcoin, but I had no idea how to buy it. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Someone was like, oh, you have to put your money on these Freaking exchanges. Hard. I was like, what exchange? I was like, who yeah. regulates the exchange? And it just seemed highly super volatile and risky. And like, mm-hmm. you know, Mount, I don't know how to pronounce it, GOX went down and yeah. people lost all their money. Like, man, that would never happen. That would never happen in traditional bank. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, like, I'm not doing it yet. Yeah. I'm not doing that. And, and so like, for me, I tend to wait until there's mm-hmm. like some, I guess, sign that there is going to be some type of adoption in that in that use case. That's why you need to have set aside what I like to call fuck you money. In like, well, that's, that's, not, that's not the normal definition small. of it. That is today. I just defined it. It's literally just a little <laughs> bit of money. The normal definition is you do whatever you want, okay. including not work. Well, this is when I was not wealthy and I was just coming out of college, but I still always had a pool of fuck you money that was like, if I lose this $200, that's literally like, I mean, when I bought Bitcoin back that's in 2012, it was money. $300. That's exactly. Just money. Some people like to gamble. I like to have yeah. money where it's like, 
okay, I'm going to buy a couple Bitcoin. And if I lose all of it, it will not crush me. I'm going to go and put some sure. money into E-Trade. And if I lose all of it, it's not going to crush me. So you can call it what you want, but it's like people like to gamble. People like to go out to eat. I like to have a little bit of a fund to of, for myself to learn and know that there might be nothing that comes from it. Like it's pure, just like I'm going to put some money into this thing called Bitcoin and see what happens. Or I'm going to put money into this stock and just see what does it look like for me to get a dividend? Like you don't know until you put your own money in, but you can't care that much in the early days, I think. Like you can't put all your money in and then just lose it all. Because I could have lost <laughs> a lot of money if I had done it that way. So yeah, but. No question, no question. Yeah, when I think about all the opportunities, and that's, that's the key, right? There's so much opportunity around this. And of course, when something has is an idea, it's never presented as a, oh, this might work. Mm -hmm. It's always presented as this is the next biggest thing. This is the next greatest thing. This is going to transform work or transform customer service, whatever it's going to transform. It's going to transform something. Yeah. But, you know, we all know that the hype cycle is real and that a lot of these things don't transform anything. Oh, and yeah. so for me, I, you're not, I would say this, though, for anyone listening out there, I don't think you're wrong waiting to see if something works. Because if you yeah. adopt something early, you, you, what are you really missing out on? You're not missing out on anything. Now, you might invest that, miss out on investment opportunities. Mm -hmm. But if you truly believe in the legs of a process or a company or whatever the case may be, and yeah, gets publicly traded, you might feel like you've missed out on the biggest windfall gains. Of yeah. course you have, because you know the VCs have made, they made the biggest multipliers. Yeah. But to say you're not gonna win is not true either, right? Warren Buffett doesn't invest in things until they're, have any type of scale and Buffett. he's the best at it. I mean, we're about to see what happens in this day and age. With okay. The results, you, people can knock him. Like, I don't understand no, why don't anyone knock knocks him. him. Like, the results are proven. The results from history. I'm just saying go f going for, we're about to be in such a different time. And I see Warren Buffett being like, we're about to enter the worst recession of our life, everyone. And to me, I'm like, this is also, I mean, he and uh, who was his Charlie Munger Charlie came Munger. and they spoke at Google. And I definitely, I'm like, I respect the hustle, the investment game and all the things. And we're entering into a space they just don't understand. Like it's such, it's going to be such Quite a different possibly. world. That they're like, it doesn't oh, mean their way doesn't work either. Maybe up until now. Yeah. Like it did work. I, I don't know. <laughs> I they, mean, we'll see, I guess. I just, I, I always loved following his work. I always read his shareholder letters. Like I was very bullish on him. And I just am seeing like an investment philosophy that he has. I'm just like, I just don't know how it's going to work over the next like 10 years based off how he thinks and how he's well, not really interested in like understanding new tech. I'm like, that is now the world that you have to kind of be involved in. And he, but maybe not. So uh -huh. it's like, I'll, I'll argue this because he's looking for longevity, mm -hmm. right? He values yeah. longevity. So new tech doesn't mean anything to him. If it doesn't have like once a company's longevity, then, then that is the new thing. Also, not every company can be valued in my opinion on like, Yes, software traditionally has delivered, let's say, outsized returns in a really short period of time. But software is always for something physical. I'm serious. Like, it's for physical things. Like, yeah. we still have tremendous need for physical things. And so physical things, companies can't grow that fast. They just can't. And so because they've cost a good sold in every unit they sell. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to, I mean, this is just me. I personally don't want to live in a world where everything is software. Like that's crazy to me. I want a surfboard. I want mm -hmm. a car to get me to the beach. I want clothes yeah. that I can put on my back. Like I'm, I'm not interested in just purely digital everything. Oh yeah. So, There'll still be all of those things. But then yeah. I also think about Andreessen Horowitz, software is eating the world. And I mean, he said that a long time ago, but it's like sure. the majority of these companies, even if they're making those things, 
have to kind of be tech companies in a way when it comes to their processes and like what they're investing yeah. in to make a better thing, whatever it looks like. It's like what's going on behind the scenes. So you'll always have products, but it's like who's the most efficient and best at making them and setting up the processes and the relationships and whatever that looks like. And I just wonder how that will change his investing when like a lot of these companies. Well, that's so he, he so like he always we've gone on a tangent now because we're yeah. talking about creativity, but he <laughs> values things that have tremendous moats yep. and longevity. Mm-hmm. So who's to say people can't become the best? Even if you say the best thing, even if you told me the best thing is to switch your process every six months, which I do not possibly believe that's true. But let's say it was. Well, someone's going to be better at it than it's someone else. Mm-hmm. And if they are continuously better at it than someone else, then they will continuously win. Yeah. Therefore, he, his investing principles would come into play at that moment. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, we'll see what happens with Mr. Buffett. I mean, like I said, I respect. Well, he's going to die. Well, I mean, he's, uh, like, everyone's going to die, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, he's closer to it than probably, uh, you know, uh, he's closer to okay. it than you and I. Well, I guess go. at that point, then I'll win my bet. Just kidding. He's already won life. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. Okay, we'll see how these last years play out. Anyways, but yeah, but like you, you haven't. I don't think you've clearly explained why he's wrong, though. I haven't said he's wrong. I said it's about to be a very different world going forward. He's like, this is about to be a very different time to invest. And every time I hear his methodology, I'm like, yeah, it makes total sense for everything up until now. I see the world as of now, as of 2023, like rapidly changing in a way that I don't think he and other historical investors really will understand because they're so like his, especially him, he's so baked on this methodology that has worked, but it's very traditional and it's very much um, based around him understanding the company. And he always says, if I don't understand it, I don't want to be a part of it. And I'm like, a lot of the shit that's coming out right now, he's not going to understand any of it. And it's going to have a deep impact on every company today. So that's why I think it's just Mm -hmm. entering into a different world. And I think it's not just him a lot of traditional investors just don't, they won't be able to understand like how these changes are really going to impact a lot of companies. So, yeah. So I'm definitely embarrassed in that because I still think the the best companies will figure it out. I just do. And, uh, and uh, I don't, as big as technology is a disruptor and it is, it's not to say the other way won't work. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I wouldn't go all in on Mm -hmm. any given technology. Yeah. That's, that that'll be interesting, yeah. but anyways, we lost our way in creativity. But this yeah. is how you spark possibly creativity or creative thinking is you. Yeah, going down these I, tangents. I, I said, hey, for 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 both Stephanie and I, it is this never ending pursuit to bet, invest, profit mm-hmm. from whatever you want to call it, on a movement, a yeah. trend, an opportunity. I tend to value things towards their later in their life cycle. Stephanie likes them earlier in their life cycle. Mm-hmm. All right, so we kind of got lost a little bit there. So maybe we'll save it for Monday. We'll dive deep into what the things that we do to keep our brains working beyond beyond uh, just looking for investment or investment opportunities. Yeah, beyond reading. Beyond yeah, I don't read them. I read, I read short articles. I don't read books. Yeah, yeah. So I, know well, that's, I probably should read books more often. I mean, hey, who, I'm not going to shit on you, but you should. But yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give you guys some tips. And some of them are definitely a bit non-traditional. So stay tuned for that next episode so we can pull you into a few other things that we do to really bring back those brain cells, bring new brain cells. We'll see you guys there. There you go. Bring those brain cells back.
Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.